want to just acknowledge the presence of the Lord that's here. And I really want to kind of, I don't know, there was just, that was some wild and crazy worship. And I just, it was awesome. And I, 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 there's an anointing on this ministry and there's an anointing in this house and there's an anointing on Nick and Kara. And there's just an anointing that I just want to make sure everybody's kind of aware of. <laughs> it's this anointing that sets you free to be you. And a lot of times we don't even recognize how we're not ourselves. You know, Romans 12, 2 says to not be conformed to the world, but be to, you know, to be conformed. Don't be conformed to the, to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And a lot of times we, we come into church and we come into the kingdom and we hear the gospel. And without even realizing it, we, 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 we don't get conformed to the world. We get conformed to Christian. We get conformed to a, a Christian version of ourselves, whatever that means. And in the Western church, it means a whole lot. And it's a, it's a form of religious bondage that's subtle where everybody starts to look like everybody else and everybody starts to sound like everybody else and there's this like collective voice that we start to sound like that frankly <laughs> is is inauthentic and i know i've been in my own journey for a really long time to give myself permission to break free And we need to break free. Those of you that are called to listen to my podcasts and to be connected to me in some way, we need to break free because our breaking free gives other people the permission to break free. And it's a, it's like a cracking of the foundation of the church that is just needed, honestly, in this hour. And I don't know who this is for. Maybe this is for everybody. Um, But religion is sneaky. It's a sneaky little spirit. And it's best friends with fear. You know, it, it ultimately is the accuser that gets you to conform (laughs) to make you think that you're okay. And the reason you're okay is because you're in Christ. The reason that you're good is because you're in Christ. And so I just release whatever that is tonight, Lord, just, uh, I don't even know. I just feel like there's people that are listening to the podcast or here tonight I don't know if you've just been under accusations. I don't know if you've been misunderstood, malaligned. I don't know exactly what's going on in your life that has shut you down and really 
attempted to steal your voice and to shut you up and to be a good little boy or a good little girl. But I break that off of you tonight and I just declare that you are not the sum of people's opinions of you. You are not even the sum of your own opinions of you. You are the sum total of God's opinion of you. And when God created you, he broke the mold. He made one of you on purpose. He made you stand out and unique and not fit in and maybe feel a little strange and not maybe even feel like you belong because there's the only place that you truly belong is in Christ. You were made for him. You were made for his pleasure. You were made because he enjoyed the idea of you. And so, I don't know, I just break off whatever that is that has kept you chained to the opinions of people and made you afraid to be the authentic you. The influence that you are destined to have will only be attracted to the real you. Until you find you and give you permission to be you, the people that are looking for you can't find you. I'm going to say that again. Until you find you and give yourself permission to be you, the people that are looking for you can't find you. And beloved, there are people that you are destined to influence. There are people who you are the answer to prayer to. The gifts you carry, the vision that God has for your life is is, is, is purposeful. So I, I just, just release you. I release you into you. I just release you into you. I release you into the freedom to be you. Just release that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, awesome. We are in the process of unbecoming. We are in the process of unbecoming everything that is not authentically who God created us to be. We are being conformed to the image of love. We are unbecoming everything that is not perfect love. And you are a manifestation of perfect love in a completely unique way. And so I'm going to challenge you a little bit tonight. The Lord's been kicked off really this last quarter of the year really with a challenge. And the challenge for us is to actually be believers. And that's another little sneaky thing that religion does. 
is it gets you to, to confess to believe in Jesus and then live like everybody else. And the Bible is a book of miraculous lives. It's a book where God took ordinary people, people with character flaws, people with issues, <laughs> say issues, if you've got some issues, right? People with issues, people with sin in their lives, people with struggles of all kinds. And it's a story of how God took the lives of ordinary people and through the lives of ordinary people did unbelievably extraordinary things. And how he proved, really, through the lives of ordinary people that he was who he says he is. And God is still in the business of wanting to show people who he is, that he is faithful, that he's not a chump, that all things are possible, <laughs> that nothing is too hard for him, that he's a supernatural provider, that he is he that he values every single person, that he's not a he's not a judging God, that he is merciful, that he reigns upon the, the just and the unjust just the same. That his glory is ultimately his goodness. That he's so good that he's incomprehensibly good. And that, I mean, just beyond almost too good to be true, hard to believe good. And he wants to demonstrate who he is through your life. In John 17, in the Amplified Version, Jesus said it this way. He said, I have revealed your very self to those whom you have given me. Jesus was saying, I have revealed who you are. I, I've come and I've revealed your heart, Daddy. If they've seen me, they've seen you. And God, God wants that to be you because you're one with Jesus. He lives inside of you. The Father lives inside of you. And he wants to express who he is uniquely through your life and reveal his nature, reveal his character. And... We can't do that living safe. I'm going to say that again. We can't do that living safe. It requires that we, we believe big. That we actually allow ourselves to have dreams. No matter what we've been through in life, no matter what the odds are, no matter what, what's against us, it, it means that we actually have to believe God for big things. You know, last week's teaching, last week's episode, I taught on that whole concept of believing big. And that's, you know, I mean, we do an exercise in Emerge that makes people mad. They actually get mad when they do this exercise, which tells you how much it's needed. It's a dream storming exercise where I basically make them write down a hundred dreams. And people get angry that they actually have to do this exercise. They, they get like stuck at like 25. And that is such a, a testimony, a negative testimony to how little we have whittled our little lives down to. We've whittled it down to something we can manage, something that's safe, 
something that won't disappoint us, something that gives God zero glory. And God really challenged me coming into October because here's the other thing that happens. People, we have all kinds of things that go on. I mean, I I see this all the time in my Emerge students because, you know, Emerge is a school where you are unbecoming. You're, you're, You're unbecoming the things that you were taught about yourself that aren't remotely in the mind of God about you. And sometimes people, you know, they're in Emerge in their older years and they think, well, it's too late. I mean, I should have figured out I should have figured out the answer to these questions. I should have had a vision for my life. I mean, I'm way past my prime, right? Well, who said that? Like God's limited by a person's birth certificate. Like you reach, like there's an expiration point on God's ability to use you. Like he can only use you until you're 25 and then you're past your prime or something. Like that's such a worldly view, such a world system view. And so coming into this court, so there's a lot of things. I mean, just it's almost like we've been dummied down and where we just aren't expecting that much from God. And a lot of times we do that because we don't want to be disappointed. And you know what? The fear of disappointment is not, that's not a, that's not a peaceful, happy place. Living in a place where you're safe is not actually a very good way to, I mean, it's not a great way to live. And so coming into this last three months of the court, I've noticed it like 20 times, I'm actually going to say it. But God just kept saying, you know, what are you actually believing me for? And a lot of times what we do, too, is we put our goals into the future because that's safe. Like having a five-year goal doesn't require too much of you today. Having a three-year goal doesn't require that much of you today. But God was like, "What? you know, you made some goals at the beginning of the year, more than likely. And maybe it's October, and maybe they look pretty dismal. Maybe you haven't made any progress on them. Maybe you even forgot that you even wrote them down. He's like, but it's not too late. It's not too late. Just like it's not too late, no matter how old you are, it's not too late for me to make 2018 the best year you've ever lived. Like, do you even know what the best year you've ever lived would even look like? I mean, that's how unbelieving we actually are. We don't even stop and ask ourselves these kind of questions. We don't even, you know, Jesus amazed me because he would come up to people who obviously, it was obvious what their problem was, and he would say, what do you want me to do for you? Like, he asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? You know, you'd think he just, why did he ask that? Because all things are possible for God, so he probably needs your input to know exactly what you'd like. We have a big God, you guys. Our lives should be extraordinarily, just extraordinary, just extraordinary, extraordinary, however you want to say it. We should just have this life that people look at and go, wow, how do they do that?
So this week, last week was all about, okay, so what, are, what, are you at, what do you believe in God for between now and the end of the year? Well, apparently that wasn't good enough. Because this week he said, what do you believe in me for this week? Because apparently even just to believe God for three months, we can still procrastinate. We don't actually have to use an ounce of faith. And guys, we are called to live by faith. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. We are not called to live according to our five physical senses and just live as natural, normal people, as mere humans. We are called to do the impossible. We are called to have heaven be released through our lives. We are called to live extraordinary lives. We are called, I mean, today, just let me give an example. This is such a simple, silly example, but it's just, just, it's just a shift in our mindset. My kids had a, um, what they call a Moodle instruction day on Friday. That means that they don't go to school. It means they stay home and they have this, we have this online, like, school system called Moodle that you log into and you get your assignments and you do your work from home. They have, like, some kind of teacher training or something. Well, my youngest is nine and she has this little, uh, program that she gets on to do math, and it's called IXL. And I think the teacher probably thought the assignment was supposed to take about 30 minutes. Well, an hour and a half later, Ella is still working on this assignment, and it's the kind of thing that you can get all the way to the end, and if you miss the last one, you don't pass the lesson, so you got to go back to the beginning and do it over again. And so she just kept going through it and going through it and going through it, and she was just like beside herself in tears. So on Friday, I just said, honey, just set it down. You know, don't worry about it. You've got till Sunday. Well, you know, just that's good enough. We'll do it again on Sunday. Well, I was reminding her today, right? You got to do your mutual. You got to do your IXL. You got to do your IXL. Well, so I was getting ready. She comes in in tears with her with her little iPad. Drop, bless her heart. Drops it on the floor two times in the bathroom. Thank God it didn't break. You can tell she's just having a rough a rough minute. And she says, Mama, I've been doing this IXL. And she'd been doing it at this point like another 45 minutes. So now we're into like two and a half hours of math, you know, between Friday and Sunday. And so that doesn't sound like heaven on earth at all. And so (laughs) finally she said, you know, she starts, she's got these, and she's got big brown eyes. So when tears well up in them, they're just so sweet and sad, you know. And I said, girl... You're going to have to use your faith. I said, that devil does not want you to finish your IXL. Now, what do we do when the devil tries to keep us from keeping, from, from reaching our goals? She just kind of looked at me. I said, you know what you got to do? She's like, speak to it. I'm like, yeah, you got to speak to it. Literally, it wasn't eight minutes that IXL was done. So if my nine-year-old is recognizing that life doesn't work naturally and having to learn that lesson, how much more should we as adults start to recognize that we were not designed by God to live naturally? It doesn't work for us. If you want to know why life is so hard, it's because you're trying to do it without the supernatural. 
you're trying to live like a mere human being. So I had a million scriptures I was going to share, but let me just go to this one for a minute. It's not even in the ones that I had. So hold on one second. Let me get it. can't type. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. So I want to go, <laughs> I typed in Merheman. I have no idea what I'm doing. So let me try this again. I'm trying to find a scripture from Corinthians. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay. Let me try it one more time. Okay. I'm going to 1 Corinthians 3, 3. Uh, I'm actually going to read it, start in verse 1, just because. It says, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you still are not ready, for you are still worldly. And he says here, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He says, are you not acting like mere humans? So I'm going to say this again. We are not called to live like mere humans. Okay. I know we've heard the scriptures. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me just keep going. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The same works that Jesus did, you will do also. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Okay, let me look at, um, I wanted to say, but you are not merely human. You are called to dominate the scene realm. You are called to have big dreams, to have a vision, to transform the earth, to demonstrate who God is and to live by faith. Every person in the sound of my voice, within the sound of my voice, has a destiny. In Psalm 139, 16, beautiful scriptures. Psalm 139, I love it. Psalm 139 just talks about there's nowhere that we can, nowhere we can go to escape the presence. And these were Old Testament believers. It's like, where can I go? You know, my down sitting, you know, my up sitting. You know, when I'm coming and I'm going, you know, my thoughts before I think them, you know, my words before I speak them. But in Psalm 139.16, it says, all of the days were written in my, written in your book. All of my days were written in your book before any of them took shape. It means that God has written a story about your life. And I can guarantee you he did not write like a boring, like I don't know what the most boring show you've ever watched is. Like, my husband falls asleep a lot when he's watching shows. And I can tell you, whatever God wrote about you would not be putting Brian to sleep. Okay, This would be, he'd be on the edge of his seat to see the exploits that you have been called 
to conquer. Now, what does it mean to not be a mere human? Okay, this is what it means. It means that you speak to inanimate objects. Okay, it means that a nine-year-old can look at their iPad and speak to it after two, over two hours. I mean, this is not just some short little thing. And can speak to it. And within five minutes, the situation changed. This means when your car doesn't start and you're freaking out because you don't know how you're going to pay your car bill, it means that you can walk outside, stare at your car, and say, car, listen here. I'm talking to you. Now, I know this may seem a little strange. You may not be used to human beings talking to you like this. But see, I'm not a mere human. Jesus Christ lives in me. Can you see him? Yeah, he's in there. And he said, whosoever shall say into this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart, well, they'll have what they say. And so we got a little problem here. You're not starting. And there's no, there's no such things as, as things that broken in heaven. And I'm a citizen of heaven. So in the name of Jesus, I command you to start. I command, I command whatever's broken to be fixed. There's angels here. You Can you see them? Um, maybe we can't see them with our physical eyes. But the angels, they're ministers of heirs to the heirs of salvation. You know what an heir of salvation is? It means that we have an inheritance that includes everything that involves perfect soundness and wholeness. Salvation is the Greek word sozo. You probably already know this, but that means literal deliverance. It means perfect. It means no sickness. It means no lack. It means no depression. And we have angels that are, are ministers to the heirs of salvation. And so if you need a new, you know, carburetor, well, the angels can go get it. You say, Shalise, this doesn't work for me. Well, there's only one reason why that this wouldn't work for you. And Jesus said it very plainly. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall have whatever he says. And here's people say this to me, but I didn't doubt. Oh, well, yes, you did. If it didn't work, then you had doubt. Now, talk about this crazy faith deal. And this is in Mark 11, by the way, this whole story. When you read it in context, I'm telling you, Jesus was a nutcase. Because he's talking to a tree. Right? It's a fig tree. Let me go over there. I'm doing it on my phone tonight. I'm looking at my Bible on my phone for some reason, even though my computer's right here. No idea. I'm just doing it that way. So let's go over there, Mark 11. I'm telling you, we are called to live in a way that looks crazy to the world. And I'm just asking you, when's the last time you did something crazy? Believe something crazy. But Shalise, it didn't work. What does that have to do with today? Do you know how many people the devil has shipwrecked their faith and basically cut off, Cut them off from living supernaturally because they tried one time and it didn't work. Or they tried ten times and it didn't work. Right? Just because you tried it and didn't work doesn't mean it doesn't work. 
I mean, what toddler tried to walk ten times and decided, well, this doesn't work? Guess walking's not for me. Guess walking's not for me. I mean, I was reading a book this weekend about some incredibly famous failures. Do you know how many things Abraham Lincoln's failed at before he actually succeeded? Like, everything he tried, he failed at. I mean, we have lots of stories. Colonel Sanders, I mean, banker. I mean, like, there's failure. I mean, it's, it's just a part of growing. It's a part of the process. But we've, we have attached all this negativity towards failure. And it's, it's just, it, it, that's, you gotta, we gotta let this go. We gotta let this go because the, the devil shut you down too quick. But here's, um, the story in Mark 11. It says this. Let me find it. Um, so we're, we'll start reading. It says, verse 12, Mark 11. The next day when they left Bethany, Jesus became hungry. And in the distance, he saw a fig tree with leaves. He went to see if he could find any figs on it. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. He said to the tree, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. His disciples heard this. Now, I'm wondering what his disciples were thinking. Right? He's walking by some fig tree, some fruitless fig tree. He's hungry. You wonder if, like, was he irritated? You know how sometimes when you're hungry, you get irritated? And don't say Jesus never got irritated because there's scriptures that said he was agitated in spirit. So he was he could get agitated. He just didn't sin. It's not a sin to be irritated. It's a sin to be a jerk if you're irritated. But, you know, he just saw it, said to the tree, no one's going to eat fruit from you again. That is no different than talking to a car. That's no different than talking to your iPad and your, your math program. He just told the, he told, he just told the fig tree, what's up? Who's bo- Who's the boss? It isn't Charles. Charles is not the boss. Charles is not in charge. Right? Tony Danza. Who's the boss? No, Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the boss. And he told the fig tree, what's up? And the disciples heard it. In verse 20, it says, the next day, while Jesus and the disciples were walking early in the morning, they saw the fig tree, and it had dried up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said, So he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has dried up. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Other translations say have the faith of God. I can guarantee, listen to this, Jesus, I can guarantee this truth. This is what will be done for someone who doesn't doubt, but believes what he says will happen. He can say to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it will be done for him. That's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for and it will be yours. Okay, these these are crazy scriptures. Like this is literally crazy. Like to the natural mind, this is crazy. Like, I mean, what if you just had these two scriptures for the rest of your life? Like what if you, I mean, I know, you know, Kenneth Hagin already did it, but I'm just saying like this is crazy. Like you speak to things, and when you don't doubt, they obey you. A fig tree dries up. Well, what else dries up? Anything that's not like heaven. 
What if lack, what if you just made it a mission that you just, your dream was just going to, I was just going to demonstrate this scripture and lack. I'm going to curse it everywhere I go and I'm not going to doubt it and I'm going to believe it and I'm just going to watch what happens. And this next one's crazy. It says, crazy too. It says, whenever, whatever you pray. That's why I tell you to have faith that you've already received what you pray for. Like how many times do you actually pray for something? I told you last week, the Lord told me, you're not confused. You're deceived. I was like, what? You're, you're not, he told me this. You're not confused. I was confused. I, I don't know. I get, I feel like I get confused a lot. And the Lord flat, he, he solved it for me. I'm never going to be confused again. Because he literally said that. You're not confused. You're deceived. He said, you're trying to get something you've already got. That is confusing. But if you stop being deceived, you won't be confused. Okay, these are basic, guys. This isn't even like advanced Christianity. Jesus, I mean, Paul said, if you're living like a mere human, you need milk. You're like a baby. You're a baby Christian, a baby believer. Why? Because you're not believing. You're living like a mere human. Hey. And this is not like something, because here's the problem. Like, I can talk about this on Sunday. By the time you go to bed, you can forget it. And you wake up Monday, and you're, you know, I don't know, whatever you're doing on Monday, besides speaking to iPads and, and kicking some devil butt and taking names. I don't know. Living like a normal person. Like, what? in the world could you believe God for just this week that would just be mind-blowing? I mean, we, literally, we have been dummied down, you guys. And we've been, we've, we've dummied down our goals and dummied down our dreams, and we've actually put them on ourselves, like I could never do this. Well, no, of course not. This isn't about glorifying you. This isn't about what you can do. This is about what Jesus did. This is about what he's conquered. This is about the authority of his name. This is about demonstrating that the kingdom of heaven has actually invaded earth. That there has been a redemption. That Jesus didn't, it's not just a message, like we're just telling a story, like we're going to come into Christmas and share the Christmas story. And do a Christmas play. Isn't that so nice? Let's, let's remember. Let's remember the, the grave. And let's remember. Oh, let's have a Christmas tree. Let's ha- this is so wonderful. God became flesh. The incarnation. Let's celebrate the incarnation. No, let's demonstrate the incarnation. Let's actually, let's actually live like crazy people. Ha! I mean... Oh, in, in, in Acts, 
King Agrippa literally said, you are a madman, Paul. You're a madman. People should, I mean, people, I mean, do you read the Bible? These people are crazy. Abraham, 99. I mean, do you know someone who's 99? Like, you know, they're not frisky. Typically, they might be. My grandpa was a little frisky. He sometimes would try to grab my friends when they would come over the house. And I would have to say, Papa, no. That's a whole other story. But most of the time, I don't think if he could have caught them, I don't even think he could have known what to do with them, frankly. I'm just saying. My point is, this is a little crazy. Okay. Okay, here's the deal, Joshua. All right. Okay, you ready? Here's the here's your war strategy. I want you to go down to the fortified city. And when you get there, I want you to walk around it seven times. And then on the last time, I want you to blow some trumpets and make some noise. Crazy. Like, that's totally insane. I mean, this is literally insane. Okay? Jairus' daughter. Jesus, she's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. And you know what keeps us from doing this kind of stuff? Fear. But let me say this. We're already afraid. We're afraid of the bills. Afraid we're not going to pay the bills. We're afraid, I mean... Afraid our life's not going to be anything. Like we're already afraid. So we might as well do something that's a little crazy and be afraid. I mean, we're all, I mean, fear's the thing keeping us paralyzed. So we might as well just be afraid and live a little crazy. Like our safe little life is not really safe. Like how many paychecks are you away for bankruptcy? I'm just asking. I know it's a, I know I said it out loud. I'm just saying it's an illusion anyway. Like we're living under some ridiculous illusion of safety anyway. There's nothing that is safe about the world system. There's nothing safe about any of this stuff. So you might as well get out of the boat. It's sinking anyway. Like, I'm really challenging myself with this stuff. You know, I have been praying some prayers lately. It's kind of the prayers that you say it, and then you go, oh, I, can't, I, I said that out. I said that in my, my loud voice. You can't take it back. I already said it. I tell the devil all the time. I said, I already said it. Until I'm at. Too late! Already said it! <laughs> Forgot what I said the other day, but I did. I said that. I said, too late. Already said it. But I've been praying some prayers like, Light, you shine on whatever is holding me back. Whatever lie I'm believing. Ooh, I shine the light on that right there. Whatever's keeping my full potential from not manifesting, oh, right there, right? I shine it on that stronghold. I don't even know what the thing is. No idea. No idea what my problem is. 
I know I got a problem though, because my full potential hasn't manifested yet. I'm still way smaller than I am in heaven. So I'm just like, whatever that is, got to go. I don't know what it is. I'll pray in tongues at it. Sometimes I'll do some mad tongues at it. I don't know if that makes a difference. I feel better. Why? Because I, I am, I, I am not, I may be deceived in some things, but I am not deceived in a lot of things. And I know this. This life lasts very, a very little short time. And part of the illusion of this Babylonian system that we all drink and get drunk on is this illusion that, I don't know, like just this normalcy. Like we're just going to have some normal little 75, 80 years or something and be satisfied with that. Like we haven't heard the gospel. (laughs) We haven't actually heard the gospel. I mean, the reason people died for this message, I mean, people, people gave, people have given everything for this message. You know, the other day, I mean, I, 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 sometimes I don't know what to say because I'm afraid the person I'm saying it about might hear it and they might know I'm talking about them. But that's okay because I'm becoming the real me and so I don't really care what people think anymore. You know, it's like, man, I, I know people don't like this, but I have to say it. We're, we're, we're trying to be so safe. What are we, what are we doing? I, I'm just asking, what are we doing? I mean, like I, I heard, I heard somebody's talking about, they're praying Psalm 91. Praying Psalm 91 to keep us safe. Psalm 91. Gonna keep us safe. We're gonna pray. No, I don't know, not what wasn't you, Susan. I think you did tell me about 91, so I'm not talking about you. I just want to make sure you're here. It wasn't you. This was someone, though. They were telling me about it. And I was like, you know, there is no guarantee <laughs> that you're going to be safe in the kingdom. Okay? I mean, Paul got shipwrecked. You're like, well, if he was an apostle following God, well, how did he get shipwrecked? Got bit by a snake? Well, how could he be in the will of God if he got bit by a snake? See, the difference is, is that the snake couldn't hurt him and the shipwreck couldn't kill him. <laughs> There's not a guarantee of safety. There's a guarantee of deliverance. There's a guarantee that nothing can kill you when you are indestructible because you are on a mission for God. Now, I know that, y'all, that I depressed everybody in the room. I'm not meaning to depress you. I'm just saying this, 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 this desire for some kind of safety is stealing life. I'm telling you, the way to live is, I gotta say it, balls are the wall. I mean, risking it out of the boat, sinking. If you're not living supernaturally, is it scary? Yeah, but so is the alternative. That's what I'm trying to say. 
at least when you're out trusting God and you're like, if he doesn't show up, I'm messed up. I'm totally messed up if he doesn't show up. Well, at least, I don't know, you're giving God something to work with. So he really has been talking to me about this stuff, and it's like, I don't know, I, heard, I think I heard Andrew Womack say it one time, like, if, if you can live without God, you will. Like, what is, I mean, I, I, my, co- my coach, my, you know, coach my clients, coach my students all the time. I had one the other day that was just like kind of whining because they just felt their relationship with God was just kind of stagnant, bored. It's like, and they teach a lot. So they're like, you know, I mean, I prepare, I teach. I mean, I've got, a, you know, and I got a lot of, wi- you know, it's like you just, you just, you have a lot of wisdom. You don't really have to work because you, you know more than most people. And, and I literally what I said was, it's because your goals are so small. Do you even have any? Like, you have, there's so little, nothing, you're scared of nothing. Like, you do not have a goal in front of you that is like, if God doesn't show up, I'm completely screwed. And I said, so what is a goal that you could set between now and this time that would actually freak you out. What's one? What's that? What, what's one? And I said, here's the deal. It was a 90-day goal. I said, if you don't do it, you have to pay me a thousand bucks. I wasn't lying. Because they needed to have something. And you know what? That'll turn your relationship with God up in an instant. Well, you don't need to depend on God. Well, of course, it's going to be a little hard, a little complacent. But I'm saying, like, if you don't know, like, how I'm going to do this, you're like, well, now you're just using God. No, I'm not. I'm pe- getting people out of the boat where they actually have to depend on God, out of their comfortable little lives where they're just miserable. They're miserable. It's miserable to have the potential of the king of kings inside of you and go to a job every day. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Now, it's not miserable if you go to your job every day and everybody gets healed. When I worked at PeopleSoft, it was like Revival City. It was exciting. They're trying to fire me because the devil don't like me. It was exciting. I mean, there was a lot of drama had this Jewish boss that couldn't stand me, and I'd come in early and anoint his chair and sneak in and speak stuff over the place and march around the building at lunch and go speak to my client's buildings and say, you're going to pay me a half a million dollars in Jesus' name by next month. Just living crazy. Living crazy. Heading down to the south side of Chicago, picking up the crackheads and... Going to the old folks' home and picking them up and take, taking them to church and getting them delivered in the parking lot. It's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, seriously, going to the grocery store can be exciting. Words of knowledge make life exciting. Like, what if you just sat there, you know, and just, we just, we just need to do, we need to live, guys. 
We need to live like big faith, big dreams, big stuff. Yeah, I feel that. And we need to do it. We need to do this. We need, guys, let me just say this. We need to learn how to believe God for money. We need to learn how to believe God for $1,000, for $5,000, for $20,000, for $50,000, for $100,000. We need to learn to just believe God for money. Why? Because Jesus became poverty. And it's not okay that the, the body of Christ is freaking busted. Totally busted. I know I'm calling it out, but this is, this is what I have to deal with every day. With this God I serve. He tells me I'm not confused, I'm deceived. He will not let me live small. He didn't die for me to live comfortably. He didn't die for you to live comfortably. He died for you to have a dream. He died for you to have a vision for your life and for your family and to to prove that he is who he says he is. So it's like literally, I mean, what between now and the end of the year? What 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 are you supposed what what can you believe God for? I remember one time, I mean, the first time God asked me what I wanted, it took me a week to answer. Because I religiously thought there was a right answer. I I was going to be like David. Ask for wisdom, you get it all. There's got to be a right answer. Trick question. What do I I want? And finally he said, Shalise, I didn't ask you, what do you think I want you to want? I said, what do you want? If I wanted to know what you thought I wanted you to want, I would ask you, what do you think I want you to want? And see, the the, the answers to these questions reveal our destiny, reveal our gifts. Our desires are like signposts to our destiny. And they really are like our deepest desires. I mean, it's why God created desire. Desire is designed to motivate. It's a motivator. And so desires, it's like religion has taught us desire is wrong. Desire is selfish. But desire is a, is a, is a tree of life, is what the scripture says. Hmm. And so crazy faith... <laughs> is scriptural. Let me just read this. I did bookmark this one, so I, hopefully I can get there quick. Let's see if I can find my favorites. Okay. Oh, gosh. I don't know how the app works. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Let me read this one. Okay, I've been, I've been on this. I've been on this First Corinthians thing in chapter 2. I've been reading it in the Passion Translation because it's been really blowing my brain. And I really like it. So let me take you to it. Okay. Let me start reading in um, chapter 2. Go back. 
Okay. Okay, verse 12. It says, For we did not receive the spirit of this world system. We did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience. Listen to this. All that grace has lavished upon us. I'm going to read this again. For we did not receive the spirit of the world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. It says, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. It says, we join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Man, this is powerful. It means that we are, we are receiving things from the spirit and we're forming those things into words. So powerful, this wisdom. It says, listen to this, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are carefully able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has intimately, who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. So good. It says we possess the mind of Christ in other translations, but the Christ's perceptions. Now I want to go back here to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 here because I want to talk about these like perceptions. It says, so where, in verse 20, where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? He said, for in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. It says he took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. So let me keep going here. It says, For the foolish things, verse 25, of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom, and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. Now, I tell people a lot in Emerge, I tell folks, you know, you like, (laughs) when you think about the world system, what is the world system? What is it? Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a counterfeit system. And it includes systems that govern everything in the world. Okay, so the world system has a health system. Okay, the world system has an education system. The world system has uh, governments. 
world system talks about family. So every system of the earth or, 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 you know, pillar of society or whatever has a system. Well, in every single one of those, there is also the kingdom, meaning the kingdom is designed to override those systems. And so when I tell people, when you have a gift, let's say you have a, you know, a gift for business. Well, there is the world's way of doing business, and there's the kingdom way of doing business. There is uh, the world's way of doing health, and then there's the kingdom way of doing health. And if you want to see the way see the way the kingdom operates, then you really have to look at the ministry of Jesus, and you have to look at the way that he was constantly dominating the world system. I always, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again because I really love my spiritual dad, Bill Winston. And what I specifically love about him is I, I literally love his mission statement for his ministry. Here's what it says. It says, to teach believers how to live independent of the world system and have dominion over it. And what that means is that it doesn't matter how the economy's going, you prosper. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, you have a source that is independent from the world. And if you are called into business or you are called into, you know, entertainment or politics or into education, You are called to dismantle those systems. Let's say that you're a stay-at-home mom and you're called to the family mountain. Well, guess what? You are called to dismantle the mindsets of the world in your family. You are called to, to raise up kids that are going to shape the world and influence the world and release the culture of the kingdom. And so no matter what we are doing, we are called to be living independent of the world system. And so really, I, I kind of started out with Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 for a moment, did a lot of other scriptures. So what this means is that you are a force to be reckoned with. You are a force. You should, you should say that. I am a force to be reckoned with. Like, literally, you are a force to be reckoned with. You know, I had this encounter one time where, I don't know, it was this whole thing about storms and not being intimidated by circumstances. And God was just, I was in a season, probably still in it actually, where he was like, I'm making you impervious to pressure. That is, that, that sounds like a very exciting word. I'll tell you, it's not that exciting when you're in it because it means pressure is coming because you're going to learn how to stand under it unmoved. But I remember I was in this encounter one time, and it was like Jesus had me out as a little kid. And I was a little kid, and I was like in this big storm, and I was kind of afraid, you know, holding on to Jesus. like, And he's like teaching me, like, speak to it, speak to it. You know, as a little kid, I was trying to speak to it, and it's like not much was happening. He was training me about doubt and stuff. Well, by the time he was finished with this encounter, he's like, no, child, here, step into me, step into me. 
So it's like the little kid stepped into Jesus and experienced this union with Jesus. And pretty soon she was speaking to these storms and nothing, you know, like, like whatever. And I remember this is what I, what I heard from myself as a little child. She started speaking to that storm. She's like, ah, storm, you get in this teacup. She had a little teacup. She's like, I drink storms for breakfast. And I was like, yeah. That's the kind of kids we're raising. As kids, we drink storms for breakfast. We get up in the morning. You know what? This is what your angels should be saying. She's up. She's up. He's up. He's up. Come on. We got stuff to do. They're up. But it means you've got to wake up when you wake up. It means that you don't get to just sleepwalk through life and live naturally. So my assignment for tonight, or for whenever you're listening to this podcast, is something in the next seven days that seems impossible. Ask the Holy Spirit. There's a problem. How many of you right now have at least one problem? One problem. I would suggest maybe you pick the easy one. Now, let me say this. Problems that you don't know how to fix. I mean, you know, like if it's an easy one that you can go fix, like the light bulb was out of my closet today and I had to stop by the hardware store to get a new light bulb before I came. It was a problem because I couldn't see in there. But I fixed it because I went to the hardware store. So not those kind of problems. I'm talking about one that... It's been an irritation. It's like it's just annoying you. It needs to be get resolved, and right? I'm going to share a testimony with you one time. It's kind of like the Ella story. This was a Brian story, and this had to do with we just, this is a while ago, we'd moved, we both had moved to Chicago, and Brian, you know, he's a, a union plumber, pipe fitter. He's been doing this work for a very long time at the at the time, when we moved to Chicago, I mean, the Chicago Union is like, it's like the mob. Like, you go downtown and look at the Union Hall, and it's like Guido, you know, is like in the front lobby screening people. you got to bend down and kiss their ring, you know, to pass by. I mean, it's just like, this has been around for like ever. It's a huge Union Hall. It's Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Like, Al Capone ran the city. So it's a, it's a very connected, potentially corrupt situation we got going on. And so Brian kept trying to take the test, take the test, pass the time, get into the union. Like it was a whole rigmarole. And the bottom line is if you don't really do get in that, like you don't work, basically. And so here he had moved from California, and it was like he couldn't get in, couldn't get in, couldn't get in, couldn't get in. And so we started realizing that, wait a second, there's more to, yes, who cares? I mean, maybe it is the whatever the situation is. But we're, ki- we're, we're in the kingdom. So whatever the, whatever's shutting this door doesn't apply to us. And this door is more than likely not going to open naturally. And so we just, uh, we began to, to, to take it on spiritually. And one of the issues was is that Brian kept failing this exam. I mean, he'd been, this is like, it was not natural. 
Like he took it like five times. I don't even know how many times. Like he, this is ridiculous. And so he came home after taking it the last time, and he's like, I think I failed, I don't think I failed it again. And I mean, I, I was just mad. I said, no, 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 no. Enough is enough. So I remember getting in the shower and just starting to pray in the spirit. And I, you know, I was just like doing, I don't know, kind of like that mad prayer. And all of a sudden I just, I just heard the Lord clear as a day say, well, what do you see? And when we were honest, you know what we saw? We saw the mob man, Guido. We saw the door shut. Like we really, all we could see was the problem. And when God said, what do you see? I knew he meant, you hadn't received this. You've been looking at the problem so long, you actually didn't receive it. And so I knew that Brian and I needed to get an agreement. So I got out of the shower really quick. I ran in there. I said, God said, we got we to gotta receive it, which what does that mean? It means we got to see it. So I said, Brian, what do you see? And he saw himself riding around in a plumbing van with his company name on it. And I saw getting these papers in the mail that would give the passing grade and the green light for him to go and move forward. And so it was going to be like six weeks or something until you get this. So I remember like maybe five and a half weeks into it, we were sitting there and Brian said he was off one day or something. I don't know what the story is, but he was going to check the mail. And I said, it's not going to be there because I knew what he was looking for. I said, how do you, he said, how do you know? I said, because I've been seeing myself go to the mailbox and open it up and get the papers myself. So it's not going to be there when you go open up the mail. He's like, what? So anyway, he goes to get the mail. Guess what? It wasn't there. But the very next day, I go to get the mail. I open it up, and it was exactly as I'd seen it. Passing colors, problem solved. So why am I sharing that testimony? I'm sharing that testimony because part of the reason why whatever problem you have has not been resolved is because you have been seeing the problem unresolved. And you've been spinning your brain power trying to figure out how to solve it rather than just receiving it as already solved. Okay, I'm going to say that again. One of the reasons the problem that you have has not been solved is because you've been spending all of your energy trying to solve it rather than just receiving it as solved. When you see something, when you've received something from God, you pray and you ask and you receive something, you don't have to know all the details of how it's going to get solved. You just see it done. You see it done. Isn't that a trick of the enemy? And so this week, there's just a goal that God has in front of you, a problem to get solved. There is something to receive from God this week. Now, how many of you know what that is? Raise your hand if you already got it. I and mean, I can't see you on the podcast, but raise your hand if you already know, like, this is my, this is my project for the week. Okay? Well, if you don't know, I declare you are going to know before you go to bed tonight. Like, this is, this is, this is, this is a, this is fun. This is fun. This is fun. This is partnering with God to see, see his kingdom come. I got a big thing on my plate this week. A really big goal this week. And let me say this. The battle 
is to see it done. You know the easiest way to fight that battle? Just thank God for it. Just thank God that it's done. Thank you that it's done. Thank you that it's done. Thank you that it's done. And then guess what? The other other thing to tell you to do is if 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 because here's a when you believe God, by its very nature, it exposes doubt. So instead of not believing God because you're afraid it won't work, and which is doubt in itself. Why don't you just go ahead and confront the I, confront the doubt? So when it rises up, be like, okay, why do I believe this? What's the problem here? Let me deal with the doubt. Let me deal with the doubt. <laughs> and if you really want to get crazy, speak to some stuff. Right? Just, I don't know. Just... Get as silly with it as you can. Because joy, I mean, is a, is, is, and joy is the, it's the key to the power. Joy is the key to the power. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence is the fullness of joy. I, I mean, joy is the source of power. It's the source of strength. Strength comes from joy. So, Shalise, I don't know how to have joy. I don't feel joyful. I feel really depressed about this problem. Well, that's part of the problem. You don't have to feel it to, what I want to say, to experience it. What I mean by that is, in this, do you know that laughing by faith is a real thing? That you can laugh by faith. You can laugh. It's kind of like praying in tongues. You know, sometimes when you pray in tongues, you don't feel like praying in tongues. You feel like cussing somebody out. But, you know, you just pray in tongues anyway, right? You just do it even though you don't feel like it. Well, pretty soon after you pray in tongues a little bit, guess what? You start feeling like it. Because, well, your spirit's engaged, and your spirit's starting to, to rise up, and it's taking over the, uh, the soulish realm. Well, it's the same thing with laughter. Laughter is warfare. And when you laugh by faith, it's like doing drugs. It says that, 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 that a merry heart does good like, is a merry heart is like medicine. So sometimes you just need to laugh by faith. You need to laugh at your bills. You need to laugh at the doctor's report. You need to laugh at the mountain, whatever that mountain is. Because you know why you should laugh at it? Because it's trying to exalt itself against God, and that's silly. All right. Well, Father, I just thank you right now that this is a miraculous week. I'm just going to speak a few things. I feel like a damper in here or something. So, Lord, I just right now, <laughs> I thank you. Whoo, I thank you that the devil's scared. I thank you that he's mad. I thank you that he's depressed. He's so depressed. He didn't want me to teach this tonight. He didn't want people to hear this tonight. He is so sad and depressed. 
Oh, but I am so thankful <laughs> that every single bit, every word that I've spoken tonight, God, was straight, straight from your heart. And it was absolutely for the person that's listening here tonight. Because as fed up as they are, it, there is no comparison between their frustration and the level of fed upness that you have. Because you were the one that suffered. <laughs> you were the one that got mutilated. You're the one whose blood was shed. You're the one that went through it so that we wouldn't have to live under it. Whew. And so, Lord, I thank you that we are connected to your emotion. We're connected to your, ah, just, it just, I feel like just this whole enough is enough. I just feel like there's this boundary. There's this line in the sand. And I thank you, Lord, that whatever needs to be exposed <laughs> is getting exposed. I thank you that this is a miraculous week. I thank you that this is a breakthrough week. I thank you that this is a week of, of getting, we're push, getting pushed out of the boat. And I thank you that we're walking on water. I thank you that we are doing the works that Jesus has done. Greater works. But I also thank you that we're doing the works that we've been ordained to do. And I curse doubt right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over every thought that any person is thinking or any thought that is being injected into somebody's mind by the enemy because he's mad and doesn't want them to take this ground. And I curse these thoughts of doubt. I curse these things that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. I curse that human reasoning and philosophy and training that the world system has used to dummy down God's people. And I just, I break the cycle right now of these mindsets. I break these programs in Jesus' name and I inject truth. I inject the light of the glorious gospel right now. Lord, I, I release encounters. I release dreams. I release revelation. I just release what exactly what is needed when it is needed, God. I release a sequence of events occurring this week, God, that break through strongholds and circumstances that some people have been experiencing now, I don't know, for decades. I just release miracles. I release right now, God, the truth that sets free. I release that kind of truth. I, I release um, a new thought, <laughs> a higher level thought. I release Jesus's perception of the situation. I release prophetic utterances. I release scripture. I release things that uh, break into uh, the way of being that people have assumed God and break them out into a new way of being. Yeah, God, I just, I just declare the, the prison door is open. And I also curse the, um, just the idea that, um, just all of the lies attached to this stuff, Lord, like it's never going to happen or it's, it's too late or it's not for me or it's too good to be true. I don't even know if I can trust this. Just all of these doubts, all of these thoughts, all of these things, God, that, that hinder the mountain from moving. 
And I just thank you, Lord, that we are operating with your faith, with your faith, with your faith. This isn't something we're working up. This is coming by rhema. This is coming because we're, we're moving into an operation now, Father, where we are speaking as the oracles of God. We're speaking from your perspective. We're seeing things that you, from your perspective. We're saying what you're saying, just like Jesus did. God, we are in sync with you. We are seeking the, the, we're, we're seeking the kingdom uh, agenda that you have for our lives, God. And I thank you that we are just, there's glory being released. Just glory and power and honor. And I thank you, God, just for the manifestation. I thank you for the manifestation. I praise you for the manifestation. Just begin to thank him for the manifestation. I thank you for the manifestation this week, God. We thank you for the miraculous breakthrough this week. We thank you, God, that this is the week of salvation, that this is the week where it changed. This is the week that that where heaven invaded earth in this place in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you for it. We worship you for it. You get the glory completely for it, God. You get the total credit. You get the total credit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, this is made possible because of your generous donations. And uh, when you sow a seed into this ministry, you are sowing a seed into a message of hope and a a message that is lifting people out of just the bondage of natural living. So I bless you and I thank you for your partnership. All right. Talk to you next time. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. And I just really want to encourage you if the podcast is blessing you, if you are being fed from these messages, I encourage you to head on over to shalice.com and sow a seed. Partner with the ministry. uh, Donate to the ministry. It's your generous support that enables this podcast to take place. And uh, really preach a message of hope and faith and destiny to people all over the world. So God bless you and thank you for your generosity. Talk to you soon.